Lord God, be in our hearts, be in our understanding. Give us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Please be seated. You brood of vipers, who told you to flee from the wrath to come? Every preacher looks forward to saying that every year. So here we are on the banks of the Jordan once again. Bishop Grine used to say, uh, do not pass go, do not collect $200, do not get to Christmas until you spend some time with John the Baptist, blowing your hair back and melting your face off. And it's true. John's words, they bring you right up short, don't they? So John is there on the banks of the Jordan. Now, have you ever asked yourself, why wasn't John teaching at the temple? Why wasn't he there? Why wasn't he in the middle of everything? Well, looking at the larger picture and all the symbols that are coming into play here, John takes himself back out to the Exodus world back to the beginnings, back to the roots, back to where they were just a ragtag group of escaped slaves and outliers and strangers who had been hammered into shape over 40 years into the Hebrew people. When they were on the other side of the Jordan, now remember, when they crossed the Jordan and came into the Promised Land, that is when they came home. That is where they found themselves. That is where they were planted and flourished. And John places himself beyond that point. Take us back to our roots. And there he takes us back to that place of encounter in the wilderness without all the supports, without all the incense, without all the parades, without all the big shots. Just you and John and God. So then when the big shots showed up from the temple, who told you to flee from the wrath to come? You brood of vipers. So a friend of mine, Ann Kitch, uh, former uh, canon to the ordinary in the Diocese of Bethlehem. Uh, I heard her preach this once, and she said, brood of vipers, a family who bites. Anybody had some experience over Thanksgiving? <laughs> bitey, bitey, bitey. Yeah. So John is out there with the family who bites and the Sadducees and the Pharisees who have been running the show for a good long time are definitely, if we take the witness of their encounters with Jesus, a family that bites. John talks to them about being trees that bear no fruit and that they need to be cut down and thrown on the fire to burn. 
Now, let me just ask you something. If somebody walked in the back door right now, talking about brood of vipers, blowing your hair back, making your face melt, how happy would you feel about that individual? Not so happy, but it is his call, and he is true to it. If you look at the way he is dressed, he is in the, the tradition, the lineage of Elijah. And when Elijah shows up, that, that means the Messiah is not far behind. And John talks about this Messiah and says that he, I'm baptizing you with water, but he will baptize you with fire. His winnowing fork is already laid to the threshing floor. Forgot that word there. It's pretty fearsome. It's pretty darn fearsome. But it is John's call. He is asked to do this by God. He is called by God, and in the tradition of all the Old Testament prophets, he brings the truth of God regarding our righteousness or lack thereof. And remember, righteousness is when your heart is lined up with God's heart. He throws it down in front of them. This is what are you going to do about it? You have to repent. Repentance, if you recall, doesn't mean, um, to quote Frank Zappa, coming before God, crawling on your belly like a reptile. It means to turn around, look at what you're doing, and change direction. And if you have been headed away from God, return, return to God. Now, Jesus, when he comes, this is a whole different thing than what John had been anticipating. Do you remember when John sends his disciples off to see Jesus and his disciples so he can have a coming to John moment with them? And he says, are you the one we're supposed to be waiting for? You know, where's the fire? Where's the brimstone? Where's the judgment? You came here to judge, where's the judgment? And Jesus says, the lame walk, the blind see. The poor have good news to preach to them. And Jesus has a coming to Jesus moment with John. Now John is called, Jesus is called. They have different gifts, different calls. Both are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting, Paul's use of the, of the uh, imagery of the Jesse root. And a few years back, um, God does this to me every now and then, just puts a verse on my mind, on my heart, that just becomes something that I am interpreting scripture through for a while. And that year, it was the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Did not our hearts burn within us as he laid out his presence in the Holy Scripture to us? The church, at this very beginning time, they are looking for all the witnesses to Jesus they can find in Scripture. And the root of Jesse is a powerful one. And they see God's fulfillment of that prophecy inside of Jesus. Going on, 
Paul talks about um, the fact that our lives are to be one that is bent on transformation from being that nice person to being a fully functioning child of God with all the rights and all of the promises and all of the responsibilities of being a child of God in the house of the Lord, our maker and our redeemer. Now, the early Christians also had a way of looking at things and listening to what God was doing and hearing and expecting empowerment from on high. If you were at the forum this morning, you remember that I, I uh, reminded you all of the job description for Christians. And I'm sure you all can just spin it right off your tongue. You will be gifted with power from on high. Go therefore into all the world, Samaria first, Judea first and then Samaria, and into all nations. And I'm conflating a little bit here with Matthew and Acts. Teaching them all that I have commanded you and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What has Jesus taught us? Oh, so much. But all of the things of God can be encompassed around three basic activities or three basic things. There is new creation, something that exists now that wasn't there before. Liberation, whatever it is that has us, we are set free from that. And sanctification, being drawn closer to God and being opened by God to be God's presence, God's power, God's heart, hands and feet wherever we go. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are part and parcel of that giftedness, that empowerment from on high. Now, it's something we haven't spent a lot of time with in the uh, late uh, modernity. Uh, I'm afraid the gifts of the Holy Spirit got kind of a bad rap in uh, the Enlightenment and in modernity. And Well, you know, to tell you the truth, religion took quite a beating in the last 50 years, wouldn't you say? Yeah, kind of still having that right now. Anybody look at you and say, you're going where on Sunday? The gifts of the Holy Spirit, we were all gifted with them when we were born. John's gifts were different than Jesus' gifts, but both were gifted. All of the disciples, gifted. All of the followers who were there on Pentecost and forward, who had been baptized, gifted. Gifted with the power of the Holy Spirit in very specific ways. To be God's presence, a door of grace into the world wherever you go. Do you know anybody that when they show up, everybody goes, oh, thank God they're here. Like, like maybe Brenda Husson. Just saying, Brenda. Brenda and I have known each other a long time. But Brenda's one of those people that, you know, Jay, they show up and people go, good, good. I feel the presence and the power of God. I feel grace. Grace can happen. 
I know that they will be true to that work, that responsibility. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the only one who had all the gifts. All of us each get one, two, sometimes three or four. And when we are all together, we make Jesus in the present. It's what's meant by the body of Christ. You've heard that, yes? So we're in a time in this postmodern world where we can talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit again, and people aren't necessarily going to look at it cross-eyed, which is a beautiful thing. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are a way for you to learn and grow in faith. When you are bodying forth in your life, in your body, you feel it. It feels different than just you there. You can feel God's presence and power with you. Wonderful things happen. People suddenly have new things in their life they didn't have before. They're set free in some way that they had never anticipated could happen, and they are drawn closer to God. And so are you. And you learn more. Every time you use your gift, you learn more about God, and you become more available to God. And the power of God that God so desires for this world that he gave his only begotten son for, you are loving it. You, everyone here, loving the world that God made for God, with God, and in God. Sounds pretty good, right? I like that present. You all have an opportunity. Tomorrow you're going to be getting in the mail an um, inventory, a spiritual gift inventory. Don't labor too long over it. Answer with your, you know, answer with your gut. Answer with what sounds right. Your top three are your bread and butter gifts. Those are the things that you may already realize and see yourself doing. Some things, you know, may pop up and you go, oh, I never even thought about that. But as you examine your life, you'll see God at work in it. Practicing those gifts, studying the gifts in Scripture, looking up when Jesus was using that gift. How did he look like? Or how did he do it? What was he doing? Who was he with? What was the message that went along with the gift? Teach yourself about what God desires for you. Because you were made for a purpose. You were made to be able to bring the grace of God to people who have sat in darkness way too long. This time of year, Advent, as Fleming Rutledge used to say, is both apocalyptic, it's the end of the world. Anybody ever hear anybody talking about the end of the world? Yeah. Scary times. We live in scary times. There's no getting around it. And eschatology. Advent is both these opposites, apocalypsis and eschatology. And eschatology, if you remember, is God present now. It is where we are headed. It is both in the sweet by and by, and it is both in the here and now. We are all joined in this endeavor of praying for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And that, my friends, is our work. So Paul says this at the end of his letter. May the God of hope fill you with all joy 
and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your faith, my friends, will be built up. The hope you will bring is true. And faith, the capacity to take a holy risk in order to follow God's call, will make you a bigger, deeper, sweeter human being and bring about for the people around you a deeper, sweeter advent. God is coming, my friends, and yea, already here. Amen? Amen. Amen.